Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ is our living hope? You know, that song is a song really of victory. We're winners. We won the Super Bowl. We won the greatest fight of all earthly times. Even no grave could not hold him down. For he, there is life in him. How many of you are ready for the Super Bowl? How many of you are really ready for the Super Bowl? It's the 49ers against the Rams. That tells me that it... Oh, see? He fell right into that trap. That's what's great about being a pastor. Today's the Lord's Day! church. This is a reflection of where we're at today in America. We've got roast on, foods are cooking, wings are going, macaroni salad is being prepared. People are going to be licking their chops on all kinds of good scrumptious food because you know what's important to them? To watch a bunch of guys that are full of muscle run around and throw a ball and hurt themselves, and all of a sudden, somebody gets a big fat ring. See, I have a ring. This ring's more important than a Super Bowl ring. It's a covenant that expresses my love for my wife. See how that works? You know, we, we often, we put so much emphasis and so much excitement into the, into the Super Bowl that, you know, I actually, I will tell you this, just for, for all of you, as you know, I don't watch football. And, uh, you know, as you know, uh, Super Bowl is like any other day to me. It's like cleaning the toilet bowl. So, with that being said, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know these people. I just Googled stuff, and I know it's a fun day, and I'm glad you guys are all really excited about who is in uh, the Super Bowl, the Browns, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, <laughs> uh, so, anyhow, I just, I, I just had to say that because I thought it was funny. Um, but, you know, I just want you guys to know that today is a great day. Today is the Lord's Day. And, you know, we, we show so much excitement. And um, when it comes to everything else that goes on, you can go to a stadium. You could see the Indians play from the Cavs play to, to, to the Super Bowl, which is in Atlanta, Georgia. Am I correct? Okay, I got that right. And so with all that being said, you know, we, we get excited about some of the events that go on. That's our natural inclination. That's who we are. And yet we don't get excited about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need to get excited. Church, we are alive. God is on the move, and this is our year of breakthrough. God is doing some great things, and we just have to embrace it. Today's message is called Stretching to the Next Level. And I know many of us, if we're ever going to have a spiritual breakthrough, we've got to stretch to the next level. And I want you to take your Bible, if you would, please turn to Exodus chapter 20. That's Genesis, Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to be reading verse 5 and 6. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 and 6. You know, I, I, I know, you know, growing up when you made noises and shouted amen and glory and, and all that, all I want to know, 
is this, that when I get to heaven, all that shouting was worth it. And because the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he already has the Super Bowl ring and he is the winner. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is omnipotent, omniscient, and he's all present. But before we get right into the message, uh, let's say our Bible vow together. And, uh, you know, I know it's not up on the screen because I think Allie just went downstairs. Matt's just now learning the, the sound, so I appreciate it. She was probably waiting for me, and I just skipped right over it. But we know what it says. It says, this is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Isn't that victory? That I might hide his words in my heart. That I might not sin against him. And so today, please be patient with me as my left ear is clogged. And it seems like I'm like partially into a tunnel. Um, I probably need to see the doctor this week. I've been kind of battling with this and trying to think I can get through it over the last week and a half. But today it came on me with a vengeance. So I'm, I'm slightly... I'm thinking, did that just come out right? Did I say that right? You don't realize when your equilibrium's off, when your ears are clogged. And so I don't know what's going on if I ended up having a cold that settled in my ear or what took place. So I like what this says. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, it says, Thou shalt not bow down yourself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations. But it also says in there that he's showing mercy and to thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. And we understand that Moses wrote it down here. This is the Ten Commandments. And we understand that it's old law. Moses had made it clear that children were not punished for the sins of their parents. But children would feel the impact of breaches of God's love by their parents' generation. As a natural consequence of their disobedience. The enemy wants to plant wickedness so deeply that it would take several generations to reverse. You know, many times we see in people's lives, I'll say oftentimes, be very, very careful if you have a hang-up or a habit because that chromosome, that DNA might be transported right and transferred right into your children. If you have a problem with, with drugs or alcoholism, be very careful taking that because that could then just become who you are if that's what your grandfather or your grandmother went through. Abstain from all the appearances of it because it could ruin your life as well. And on the good part, we see that people have giftings in their life. And if you have something and you can identify in mom or dad, take a hold of that and say, you know what? I have those same giftings within me that God has planted and he wants to do something great inside of me. I love youth. I love seeing teenagers. Listen, this is your best life now. I know it doesn't make sense. Things like you have to be home at nine o'clock. Things like, no, you're not going to do that. No, I'm not going to give you money. All those things that take place in a young person's life. But when I look at Scripture, I see that God has given us all giftings. But why, does it, why do we wait until year number 25, 30, 35, 40 
God wants to do something with your life. And I'm here to tell you that if God can take a nobody and make him a somebody, he'll do the same thing with you. Because through Jesus Christ, we have great potential. Until we realize that we've got to let the past be the past, step into the future, we can never become better. And understanding that breakthrough is just part of that. Many of us understand the difficulties of our past, of what our parents put us through. But God put you in that family. He placed you with those parents to make you who you needed to be in him. We have to embrace that. Many of us could say, man, it, would, it must be nice to live in that home. It must be nice to live in that home. Well, reality is this. God knows what he's doing. He says, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, I created you. I fashioned you in your mother's womb. He knows exactly what's going on. Back in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, they hid in the cool of the day. God came to them and said, Adam, hey Eve, where are you? Where are you guys at? They said, God, we're hiding because we're naked. I love the way God answered them. He said, Adam, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? In other words, who told you that something was wrong with you? God immediately knew the enemy had been talking to them. Isn't that amazing? God is saying to you today, who told you that you don't have what it takes to succeed? Who told you that the best grades you could make in school would be C's rather than A's? Who told you that you are not attractive enough to succeed in your personal relationships or talented enough to flourish in your career? Who told you that your marriage is never going to last? Who told you that there was something wrong with you? The Bible says when you delight yourself in the Lord, He gives you the desires of your heart. You can do all things through Christ that gives you strength. You have a treasure inside you. You have a gift. You are valuable to God. Break the curse of the bloodline and realize that God Almighty is doing a work in you. You can stop it. You can. Listen, as a pastor, I hear the stories of the heartache, the the broken hearts of our parents, of our grandparents, and the stories that are shared. But I'm also here to tell you, there's a lot of victory stories in the midst of some of the battles. See, with Jesus, we can break that bloodline that was in the past that held us captive. And today you can be free. Today there is victory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for helping us to stretch to the next level, to press on. To never look back, but to stand tall and look forward. To focus. To never lose sight. Never lose footage. Lord, help us to stand sure and firm. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. Hide me behind the cross. Help us to learn your word in the next few minutes. In your holy name we pray. Amen. How many would say the phrase... I want to give my children a better life than what I had. We all say that. 
On the opposite, you've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. We read bumper stickers that said, I'm spending my children's inheritance. You know, we hear that a lot. We have placed either a positive or a negative thought within the minds of our children. Our mind is a computer that daily we must use. We have to be very, very careful what we put into our mind. Too many people are living far below their potential. They have many gifts and talents and so much more going for them, but they've gotten comfortable, settled in where they are, and lately become too easily satisfied. Our potential has been put in us by our manufacturer, our creator. As the scripture says in Psalms 139, 14, Almighty God. Whether we use it does not diminish it, but does impact our future. Listen closely. The events of your past do not reduce your potential. The events of your past do not reduce your potential. Say this with me. I am anointed. I am anointed. I am creative. I am creative. I am talented. I am successful. I have the favor of God. Let's try this again. I have the favor of God. Hallelujah. People do like me. I am a victor and not a victim. I am a winner and not a whiner. So many of us in our lives are whiners. So many of us will say, you know what? I think it's easier for me to whine than to be a winner. A young woman came uh, for some advice. She had tolerated an abusive relationship for years in which she was repeatedly told, you can't do anything right. You're so slow. You're not attractive. After hearing that for so long, it had totally beaten her down physically, emotionally, and spiritually. She had no joy, little confidence, and extremely low self-esteem. I told her what I'm telling you now. You're of value. Your gifts, your talents have been put in you by Almighty God. And it doesn't matter what anyone else has spoken over you. You see, the good news is God has the final authority. He says you have a treasure on the inside. He says you have a gift. He says you are valuable. You've got to quit playing that old tune and put a new one inside you. You need to be dwelling on thoughts like, I am creative. I am anointed. I am talented. I am valuable and I have a bright future. My best days are still out in front of me. You have to get your mind going in this new direction because dwelling on negative thoughts about yourself will keep you from becoming all that God has created you to be. Now, do you think that today before the Super Bowl, they're all sitting back in the locker room thinking about this? Uh, uh, I don't know how we really even made it here. I mean, I guess it was just luck. Um, I think when we go out there today, I think we'll just we'll just maybe maybe we'll toss a ball because, you, you know, we, we don't need any help. No. That coach is back there, man. They're getting those guys riled up. You are a champion, my friend. Just like the song. 
You are a winner. Don't be a whiner. You've got this. We're going to win this game. But too often, we allow negativity in our life that says, you'll never make it. You're not a winner. You know, you can't do anything. Listen, your church will never make it. Matter of fact, you'll never make it. And I'll tell you, church, we'll never do anything without Christ. It's because of Christ that we have, as the song says, living hope. It's because of the cross of Christ, the price that was paid, that we have living hope. And who told you that something was wrong with you? Who planted that in your mind? Because those are lies of the enemy. You need to reject those ideas and discover what God says about you. Well, I don't think I could ever get this promotion, preacher. Who told you that? Because you know what God said in Psalms 31? No good thing he will withhold when you walk uprightly. When you live your life right, God walks with you. Well, I don't think I'll ever get married. I haven't had a date in so long. I don't think I'll ever find someone who would love me for who I am and with whom I would be compatible. Who told you that? Because God said in Psalms 37, you can do all things through Christ. The potential is inside you. It doesn't change just because you don't believe it or just because you've been through some negative experience in the past. It has been deposited in you permanently by the creator of the universe. His name is God. The scripture says God's gifts and his callings are irrevocable. Awesome, isn't it? God's gifts and callings are irrevocable. That means God is never going to take back the potential he's poured into you. He's never going to say, I'm tired of dealing with you. You've tried and failed too many times. You've made so many mistakes. Let me just have all of your gifts back. You're just not worth it to me. No, those gifts and the calling on your life will be with you till the day you leave this earth. But it is up to you to decide whether you tap into them and use them or not. In John chapter 4, you know what? I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it this morning. If you'll just take your Bibles and turn to John 4, I want to read this story. And the reason why I want to read the story is because I think it's one of the greatest stories of all times. It's where Jesus met a woman at the well of Samaria. And he asked her for a drink of water. She was surprised because back then the Jews didn't have anything to do with Samaritans. She said, how can you ask me for a drink? And here's what it says here. Now, you're going to love this, this whole text, because I believe that this is where God starts to really manifest himself, and, and he starts doing a work in Jesus, and Jesus starts saying, you've got potential, you've got potential, you've got potential. We all have potential. And listen, we already went through a rough week at work. We went through a rough week at home. We went through a rough week with our families. We went through a rough week maybe in our marriages But I'm here to tell you that there is hope for you when you drink from the living well. And in John chapter 4, it says this. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisee had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. There Jesus himself was baptized, not but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And it says he needed to go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. 
Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me some of that to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy some food, to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask to drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritan people. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to thee, Give me to drink, you wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep from when then have you the living water? What's going on here? Are thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his livestock and his cattle? Jesus answered, verse 13, said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call your husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Yeah, thou hast well said, I know that. I have no husband. For listen, lady. Don't you like how I just put that paraphrase in there? That it's not in there. For listen, lady. You have had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not your husband. And that, he said, was the truth. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. In verse 25, the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee... That's me. I am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city. Saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Has any man brought him anything to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathered fruit into life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And here is then that saying is true. 
One soweth, and another reapeth. I sent, I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. Verse 39, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, He told me all that ever I did. He knew my life. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe not because thy saying. For we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Boom. He is Christ, the Savior of the world. I wonder how many times God tells us that he wants to do something great in our lives. That we are going to be healthy and well. We're going to get out of debt. We feel it strongly, but like the woman at the well, we start thinking about what we don't have. And all the obstacles that are in our path. Before long, we've talked ourselves out of God's best. That could never happen for me. I don't have the education. I don't have the talent. I don't have the discipline. I'll never break this addiction. I'll never accomplish my dreams. No, you must quit looking at what you don't have and start believing that all things are possible. This is my niece. This is Nevaeh. And the best thing we do as a family and as an aunt and a grandmother and as cousins is we encourage her. She loves gymnastics. She loves to flip and to twirl and to take her body into contortions that I couldn't even dream of, even when I was her age. But she has the ability. You have the ability to become something great. You have the ability with your talents and your giftings to go to the Olympics. And many of us sit back and say, why don't we tell our family that? Ryan, you have the ability to stay sober free for the rest of your life. In the name of Jesus, I speak that into your life. It's your breakthrough. You can become something great. You can run a Fortune 500 company, and you can, you can help other people know what it's like to face days of uncertainty because you're on the winning side. You know, we have a way of, of, of saying, wait a minute, I can't do this. I love in the rest of that chapter, there was Jesus, and a man ran up to Jesus after the woman at the well, and he said, listen, I have a son that lays ill he needs help. He said, oh, that's awesome. By your belief, go back. And so all of a sudden, he went back. And that little person got up and says, well, hello there, Daddy. He said, well, hello there. When did all this take place? Oh, about this time. And he goes, wait a minute, let me think about this. Yep, that was the time Jesus told me, yep, your son's good, go see him. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the King of Kings. And what has happened is we have not believed. And he told her, listen, if you'll just believe, you'll be able to live an abundant life. So she changed where she was at and said, Jesus Christ truly is the living well. There's life in him. Do you believe it, church? Amen. There is life. In Jesus. When we had this church, when we started the church, you know, people said you can't do it. I got so tired of people saying you can't do it. You can't. It's impossible. 
Church, I'm going to tell you this. So even when we just refinanced here about uh, four years ago, maybe three, four years ago, we went to U.S. Bank. They said, we've got this handled. You've got credit through us and blah, 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 blah. They wanted to raise our interest rate to 11% and so on and so forth. And, you know, in his dignified professional voice, he says, Pastor Todd, we just can't help you at this time. What did I do? (laughs) Man, that guy, he's right. There's no help for us. There's no help for me. Nope, I went to another bank. And I walked in and I said, I think you can help us. Did you hear what I said? I didn't say, can you? I said, I think you can help us. I walked into Debbie, Portage Community Bank, Kent, Ohio. Put a little plug in there for them. And I said, listen, this is what we're through. She goes, okay, I'll help you. Now, all of you have to understand this. After I picked myself up off the floor, we go by faith believing, but there's still that little bit of doubt, isn't there? There's still that doubt in all of us going, can this truly be, can this actually happen? And you know what happened? Within two weeks, she was able to refinance and we got 4% interest. Now, wait a minute. We want to be good steward of God's money. We want God to work out all things. But we have to take a step of faith. And I took a step of faith. And God has taken me to places I never dreamed of. I am doing things today. I am still cleaning toilets after 26 years. Listen, I have not spent $1,563,000 on marketing. God has put people in my path. Because he knows I'm in the center of his will doing his work. This in church, don't step outside of that. Stay in line. Stay focused. God has great things in store for you. He wants to ignite your faith. Reignite that dream. Say, you've got this. Listen, if you want to get on the telly and you want to listen to a bunch of people telly, you bunch of gossip, then you need to hang up the telly and say, I'm not going to believe the lies you have to say. Do you believe what I'm saying? See, this is our problem. We don't have enough belief within our heart to say enough's enough. Our God is faithful. Our God is stronger. Our God is our healer. Our God is mighty. Our God is mighty to save. He's mighty to change. Church, don't be limited by those that have limitations in their life. Step out from it and run from it. Where's your faith? God wants to move mountains inside of you. He wants that seed that he planted to grow. I can't even imagine. Think about this. You know, as a little boy, and I remember, and my, my parents won't, I remember my stepdad Ray saying to my mom at one point, because everybody was singing, and I was probably 10 years of age and maybe 11, and my brother Gary was a teenager, started singing, and he was in country music and has been able to do a lot through country music. But I remember him saying, does Todd even have a voice to sing? I didn't know I had a voice to sing. But if God puts a seed within, and one day I'm like, I'm singing. Wow, I'm singing like the rest of them. Who would ever think that after 13 years, 
I get to stand at the front of this church and worship so that my children and Annie, <laughs> today you can be the, the other daughter up there, right? And uh, th- they can stand up here and worship the Lord because they're singing hallelujah. See, because of that seed, because of that desire, my mom sang, we sing, my kids sing. Listen, don't let the enemy convince you you can't do something because God has great things in store for you. Amen. Amen. Well, my nephew that's five foot tall, Christopher, when he goes up against LeBron James one of these days playing basketball, we'll be cheering you on because you can do it. You have to believe it. He had an, he had an injury and he's excited to be back and, and, and playing again. But, um, hey, don't ever let anything get you down because you have the potential. And we, we often have a, have a way of taking that potential. Do you guys want – I'm going to share something with you today. Now I'm going to make Satan accountable for what he's been doing to me while I'm preaching. This is kind of sad for me, but I'm going to share something with you. Do you know during this whole message he said, see, people aren't even out there enough. Look, they're missing. What would you do to him, Todd? This is what's been going through my head while I was preaching. See, they didn't even come today. They don't, they don't want to hear the word. Well, now I'm going to say this. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. And I didn't hear it once. I heard it at least ten times while I've been preaching. See, look, Todd, who's, who's in the back corner? Where's Tyler today? Where's this person? Where's that person? I'm not going to tell you what he's been trying. He's been trying to distract me from preaching this message because there's life in Christ. And I don't care. So take that. In the name of Jesus, I don't care. We have a tendency to allow Satan to grab a hold of us because God is about to do something great in somebody here today, in this church today. We have to believe it. He did not start this church so that the, so that the enemy can tell me, like he told that pastor in California this week, take a gun and blow your head off. Do you know that's the second time in two weeks That a pastor has taken his life. You know why? Because we have a sense that what? We're losers instead of winners? Well, take that. Because I'm a winner and I'm not a loser. We have to have faith. And he can do the same thing for you. Don't get stuck in a rut in your attitude, your career, or your marriage. Don't let the enemy start speaking crap in your head. And I said that word. Want to hear a little funny? And I'll say this and we'll be closing here shortly. But uh, there was a man, I I did say the word crap from the pulpit once. And so after the service, the man walked up to me and he said, I don't like you using that word from the pulpit. And I said, I'm really sorry that you feel that way. I'm going to leave the church. Okay. Okay. Don't let the doorknob hit you where the good Lord split you. Bye-bye now. (laughs) Satan wants to pick us apart. He'll pick me apart. I'll go home and I'll say to myself, "What, what did you do today, Todd? Were you an encouragement? What did you do today? It's not me, it's God. And as long as I hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him, it doesn't matter what the enemy has to come to say to me. 
I know that I'm in the center of his will doing what God wants me to do. And there's a message for all of us today, church. Listen closely. The key is to get your eyes off your problems and onto God. I've got to get my eyes off the problem. Today, I've got to stay focused because, thank God, I think that's why this ear is clogged some because Satan keeps going over here to this ear, but I'm, I'm coming back over here and going, well, guess who's in this ear? God. You know, so thank God. I don't need to hear that. But reality is we're human. That's who we are. When God puts a dream in your heart, it may look impossible to the natural. Every voice may tell you it will never happen. You'll never break that addiction. You'll never accomplish your dreams. You'll never be happy. But if you will believe and stay in faith and expect good things, you too can defy the odds. You've got this. You're a champion. There was a famous tightrope walker who comes from a family of seven generations of circus entertainers. The question was asked to him, what is the key to walking on the tightrope? You make it look so easy. The secret is to keep your eyes fixed on where you are going. You never look down. Where your head goes, that's where your body is going to. If you look down, there's a good chance you will fall. So you always have to look to where you want to be and where you're going. And it's the same principle in life. Some people are always looking back, focused on the hurts and the pains. Other people are looking down, living in self-pity and complaining that life is not fair. The key to rising higher is to keep looking into where you want to go. Dream big dreams. Don't focus on where you are today. Keep a positive vision and see yourself accomplishing your goals and fulfilling your destiny. The Bible says in Philippians that I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Three minutes and I'll be done. But I want to give you three points. We see that God's call has a threefold emphasis. First, he calls all men everywhere to repentance. That is the call of salvation. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Acts 17, 30 says this, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Second, all Christians are called to complete dedication. 1 Corinthians 1, 9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Third, God calls to a specific sphere of service or ministry or holy calling. Isn't that awesome? Think about this. God has called us to a specific ministry. Are you using that gift? Listen, church, what is your gift? Man, I have met some prayer warriors. I have met some great givers. I have met some great laborers. I have met some great singers, preachers, teachers. I mean, there are people out there that are gifted. Are you letting God use you where you're at? Say this with me. Lord, you've saved me. You've called me with a holy calling. Not by my works, according to your purpose and grace, before time began. Hallelujah. And I say this in closing. You have to realize that God has matched you with your world. Woo. Wow. I know I give this illustration because it's fun. But God has matched me. With these two awesome ladies here, for my mothers, my siblings, 
I've got my nephews back there and friends and my nieces and my wife and my daughter. And my daughter's here, my nieces. God has matched us all together. I don't need to sit back and go, man, I sure wish I'd have had. I sure wish you'd have put me. God gave you who you're with. What are you going to do with what God has given you? How is that going to work in your world? In other words, even though at times you may not feel that you are able to accomplish your dreams, you have to be, get beyond those feelings. And know deep inside I have the seed of Almighty God inside of me. Understand this, God will never put a dream in your heart without first equipping you with everything you need to accomplish it. I'm going to repeat that. Because this is a reminder to myself. God will never put a dream in your heart without first equipping you with everything you need to accomplish it. Wow. I never thought, I, I, I really didn't, I, I never thought that I would be standing up here. I remember as a little boy, um, when, when I say a little boy, I was 16, and I, I did my first ministry, ministry outreach. And I remember putting together um, with this young lady, her name is Stephanie Armantrout. I went to a nursing home. I don't even remember. I think it was in Ravenna. And I was so excited. I had everything out. I mean, I had my, my bulletin. I even drew a picture. You guys are going to love this. Of me. <laughs> it's crazy. Holding my big Bible. And, you know, you do what you do. But inside of it, I had a whole series of songs. And I was going to go to this nursing home, preach the word, sing songs. And can I just tell you that it didn't matter to me who was there. I went there. I had church. And this is really bizarre because even right now I'm remembering this, this individual saying, hey, come down to my room when you're done. And I was done. And they said, thank you, honey. You blessed my heart today. I needed this. And the others that were there in the nursing home, I think 12 the others, were sleeping in their wheelchairs. It didn't matter to me. It really didn't matter to me. Because I did what I needed to do. I started using that seed that was in me as a young man to continue to fulfill what God wants done. So church, if God were to take us to another level, would you go with him? If God were to take you higher, would you go with him? If God were to say to you, because if you're faithful with little, I'll be faithful to bless you with much. I'm going to stretch you to a place that it's not going to be so comfortable. But at the very end, you're going to stand taller. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be more powerful. Because with me, all things are possible. Do you receive that today? God has a work to do in you. If you'll just let him, don't let your habits, your hurts, your hang-ups, don't let the pain of your past cause you to not be all you can be for Christ. If he's speaking to you today, you need to come to him. You need to sit in your seat. Listen, don't worry about what other people say. Remember, the enemy is always trying to whisper things in our head. You bow your knee. 
you give your heart, your life to him and say, you know what? I'm letting my past go. I'm letting my hang-ups and my hurts and all that other junk that's been in my trunk, it's gone. Today, there's freedom in you. And Father, I believe in you. Don't let your past determine your future. Because God is the one who's writing every page of your life. Get on board. Grab your surfboard and take a ride. Because it's exciting. may not always be what you want it to be. The waves might not be as smooth as you think they ought to be. I know. I've been there. But the end result is that one glide right into the sand of that shore is worth it all. It's really worth it all. Let's all stand as, as we pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you that, Lord, we can come before you and just worship you. And we thank you that, Lord, even this morning as, as we look at this time of reflection, Father, we know that those in California are very, very heavy for the loss of their pastor. We're not talking 150 people. We're talking 6,000 people. Lord, we know that, that he's with you. He's in your arms. And Lord, you guys are having a great reunion. And his time on this earth is over. But God, help us to all stay focused. Realize that there's great potential in each and every one of us. And God, we believe that you have planted a seed within us that needs to grow, that, that will help us stretch to the next level. Lord, help us to be willing and ready. Lord, we give you every Sunday morning. God, help us to be faithful. Let no distractions or, or other obligations or circumstances get in our way, but help us, God, to be all we need to be for you. Lord, this is our year of breakthrough. We're breaking the chains. The enemy has held us captive way too long. And with God, all things are possible. Lord, we know that greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. Lord, you are mighty. You are powerful. You are strong. So, Father, as we sing this song of reflection, who you say I am, we know who we are in you. God, minister to us. Speak through us. If there's somebody here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, may they come to you today. In your holy name we pray. Amen.